Welcome to another episode of Roll or Die. We have a repeat guest for you today. Uh, we've had her on a couple of times before. Since her last uh, attendance on this show, she has been tearing it up. Uh, she won Nogi Brown Belt Worlds. She represented Australia at ADCC against Fionn Davies, no, no less. She won a silver at Black Belt Brasileiros against Mesa Bastos. Oh, and she received her Black Belt. So <laughs> we have for you probably one of the most prolific female Australian grapplers at the moment, that's for sure, Adele Fornarino. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me again, guys. It's always such a pleasure to be on the show. Awesome. So is this yeah. Adele's third time, is it, Kim? Is this Third time, yeah. I think wow. the last yeah. time was when we thought Boa was going to go ahead mm -hmm. and you were... Yeah, that was when I had the matchup with um, Matt from yeah. Tasmania. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That was like 2021, I think, was it? It's been two <laughs> yeah. years since we've had and then, you on. And then COVID and then, mm -hmm. you know... All, all the fun yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. You've been in Perth through most of that, yeah. You you escaped a yeah. lot of the, the really harsh lockdowns that we had over here in the South. Yeah, so I went through one of the harsh ones. So the first one, what was that? Like 20, 2020, I think I was yep. I was still in Melbourne and it was the end of 2020 that I escaped and got yes. out. Um, and then you guys went back into lockdown again and Perth was completely well open, but nobody could come in and out of Perth, but open in the sense that you didn't need to stay in your house kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and did you did you move to Perth for love? Is that how this all happened? <laughs> yeah. yeah, look, I did actually. I did. I, I got scammed into moving to Perth, but to be <laughs> honest, uh, one of the best experiences of my life. Yeah. Uh, it it definitely was was hard at first moving away from family, moving away from kind of what the norm was in my life. Yeah. Uh, but I've absolutely loved being in Perth. I've loved uh making you know, new connections, new, new kind of jujitsu family in some ways, mm. but uh, I did move for love. I did. I think it's one of the best reasons. Let's face it. What else is there in life that's as good, you know, like winning comps, exactly. black belts, medals everywhere, but you know, love, yep. love trumps it, you know. It does. It does. It absolutely does. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have changed a thing. You know, I, I regret absolutely nothing on it. Yeah, in fact, and, you're you're. Oh, sorry, Kim. Just just to continue that it, on, I think your your partner she's got a blue belt now. I think she just got a blue belt. That's what I wanted to ask you about. Yes, <laughs> yeah. she Tell did. She did. Oh, she's an absolute weapon. She's yeah. she's scary, man. She's she's just a little sponge. She'll uh, she absorbs knowledge like nobody I've ever seen. She mm. she comes at everything from like an academic side. You know, she's been studying for seven years, like university studying mm -hmm. for seven years. So she's she has a very particular approach of how she wants to absorb information so she studies mm -hmm. and does instructionals and does you know video analysis and she sends me video analysis of my competitors and tells me the game plan of what i'm going to do when i'm out wow. there so really she's the brains and i'm just the person that goes out there and does it ask you from yeah. like uh like as a relationship point of view because i'm also in a relationship with someone who got a blue belt and i wanted to mm. ask you how as the higher belt you your kind of what the dynamic is are you kind of like the coach or from what you're saying it sounds like it's almost fairly equal between you <laughs> is there frustration when you're sharing techniques and and drilling together and things like that or how does it go oh it always comes with its uh with its 
tough side. So it's so I'm I'm her coach in the sense that like uh at, while we've been in Perth, I've been in charge of like her progression and making sure that there's not any major gaps in her game and just making sure that she's a really strong blue belt. Um, I know that that coming up, especially through dominance, you know, dominance has a, a big reputation of having really good blue belts that are quite well rounded. Mm. So that was something that was that was very important. So I made a you know do a blue belt syllabus that I would have had to have done when I was back at home. Um, but when it comes to kind of the competition side of things, when I'm prepping for a competition, she's uh, she puts a lot of time and a lot of energy into making sure that I'm ready. You know, she gives me a list of things to do. She gives me videos to watch. She gives she watches the videos herself and writes notes and kind of yeah. goes, oh, this is a gap in this person's game. Um, but when we're actually training on the mats together, there's there's definitely times where it's hard and there's definitely times where uh, there's that finding that balance between like the coaching role and the partner role is is hard. It's absolutely tough because um, you can't fall into one and not the other. You can't step on the mat and be just a coach and not take into account like the other side of that relationship. And then you can't do the other side of that and just be in a relationship and not have that coach side of things. So yeah definitely tough but we're navigating it and I think at the, at the start it was a lot harder but but we've definitely found a, a way to communicate and mm. you know if anybody out there is listening and, and is coaching their partner you're not the only one that that has jujitsu arguments about you know I'll give her advice and she'll say like nah shut up or I'll give her advice somebody will give her word for word the exact same advice and she'll be like oh that's a great idea to can I, she just needs to hear it from someone else sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's too close to the fire. Um, yeah. <laughs> what about what about like like it's interesting that you're talking about a blue belt being able to identify game plans for a black belt. Like I mm. I, I get it, and I think like at a blue belt level, you should probably know things. Um, but it does seem abnormal that she could have that kind of field of vision to know what would be a good game plan. So how did, was that in her? Or did you kind of, is it because you guys talk so much jujitsu or she's seen so many of your matches or how the hell is it that she could know what would be best for you to do on the mats? It's it's completely abnormal. It's a very, uh, it is a, it's not everybody is able to do it. I think that the way that her, her brain works is she can <clears throat> analyze things quite like analytically. Okay. Um, she's also, I call her a, a jujitsu snob because she spent the first two years of her jujitsu journey being in, rooms with literally the best competitors in the world you know oh, wow. she okay. was yeah. in vegas when it was a closed training session and you know lucky was there and Liv was there and ash williams was there and all these adcc guys were there and that's who she was training with for her very first competition in vegas you know she was <laughs> cool. she's she lived a very uh a very privileged, privileged life. yeah very yeah. privileged jujitsu life that's for sure <laughs> so she's had she's had a lot of information and a lot of guidance from those guys as well that have definitely impacted her perspective on jujitsu. But she's also come from a background of of high level tennis. So she kind of understands high level competition and that it's a little bit more, uh, there's a little bit more that goes on behind the scenes with, with strategy than just kind of going out there and doing it. Yeah. Awesome. Mm. Okay. And so now on to you, Adele, as well. Like it's, it's great to talk about your partner, but we're here mostly to talk about you. So I mean, there's you're you're you know, very much shown yourself on the world stage as being one of the best competitors, not just in Australia, but in the world. Um 
can we talk a bit about how you went at Brasileiros? Because Absolutely, I don't know yeah. for anyone listening out there, I don't know of anyone that's any gringo that's actually won Brasileiros at black belt level. Yeah. Like they're pretty much only Brazilians seem to win it or am I? There are some, uh, there are some uh, Americans floating around that have won it to my understanding. I think Max, uh, sorry, Mason Fowler won it. There are a couple, but, there's but it's not many. rare. It's rare. Yeah, it's very rare. Yeah. To yeah. my understanding, I don't think any Australians have won. Mm. Uh, I think that's my understanding. Uh, the definitely kid win it is... at purple. Possibly. Just... Sorry, at a at a black belt. At level. Black belt. No, uh, I don't think at black belt. Yeah. I yeah, I think we've had some some guys win it at lower belts, but I don't think we've had any black belts win. And I think, and again, if there's anybody out there that can correct me, definitely correct me if I'm wrong. I think I'm the second person to medal at black belt. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it just goes to show that that um, you know that that particular competition is definitely dominated by by the Brazilians, and I think it's one of those competitions where uh, there's a lot of Brazilians that don't get a chance to actually travel and get onto other kind of major events. So you know you don't see them at Worlds or you don't see them at Pan Ams um, just because they do the competitions in Brazil and they just come out of nowhere. So there's a lot of talent and it's unseen talent and unrecognized talent that's also at the Brasileiro. So you can get somebody that you just don't recognize and they could be an absolute weapon. So everybody in the divisions are dangerous. Mm. Yeah. I've actually, I've got it here on uh, flow grappling. I'm just mm. figuring out how do I share oh. my screen? Well, let me make so, you oh, a here we go. Share screen. Yeah. Are I you... think I'm going to make you a code. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I don't know. Are you, are you up for sharing the last kind of minute and a half of the match Adele? Is it, it's Absolutely. been a little few months I've, now. You've I've lived through it a million times. I was on the plane <laughs> and watching it over and over and over and over again. <laughs> But um, um really yeah, absolutely. She was up, and um, if if I could dare say, it looks as though you made a a bit of a, a really small mistake at that level. That was <clears> unfortunately <throat> enough. Makes a difference. Mm. Yeah, so. the small things that make the difference. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. And while Kim's getting that up, ask me any questions if you need to, Kim, about share about the tech side. But I just want to like with you, Adele. Are you experiencing any? Like, how old are you now, buddy? You're like. 20 something 22 20 23 23 at the moment is is this showing or not yet no not yet you got to go share screen then you got to pick the screen you want to share not sure Um, oh okay whoops um are you experiencing any pressure anymore or are you just living your best competing life like what because like watching you growing (laughs) up like it was like you were just always a go-getting killer but you know what oh here we go we've got this thing you might want to talk us through this first, then we'll come back to my question. Yeah. Anybody listening? So, oh, yeah. Okay. Talk us through this, Adele, if there's anything you want to. Yeah. So, um, a lot of, so I've actually versed Mesa before this. I versed her at um, Pan Ams. Uh, and I actually really enjoy uh, competing against Mesa. I think she's incredibly technical. I really, like love her style of jujitsu. It's it's very satisfying for me to to wrestle with somebody with this style of jujitsu. Uh, and I think we'll yeah, it would have been like this would have been in the last minute. Uh, I was up by two points. Uh, I got some points on a sweep, and I got some points on an attempted straight ankle lock. Um, and then we rolled out of bounds, so I got the two on that. So I, I was up at this stage, and mm. I made the error of there were some turtle exchanges that happened. And when we came out of those turtle exchanges, we were both in a double guard pull position. Uh, and 
when we kind of tumbled out and when we re-engaged, I came up, which I shouldn't have oh. uh, because that's what gave her the opportunity to actually sweep me back within the last minute. So I'm still up at this point and there's 24 seconds left uh, and I just need to make sure she doesn't sweep. So she tries to come up on the sweep and I try to push her down, but I go ADCC mode and I turtle. Right. Um, which for those of you guys who know the IBJJF rules quite well is you can score sweet points if you get to the backside of turtle and can maintain that for three seconds. Um, so while I was kind of defending the sweep of not letting her come on top of me play guard, my defense was to start to kind of turn away and turtle up. And that's, that's how she managed to score those two points, uh, wow. which leveled us on the points, but she was up by some advantages through just the starting of the match. She got um, advantages through double guard pulls and she, decided to come up and and wow. I think she had something like you know I've three advantages heard... or four advantages yeah I've, ne I've always heard like whenever mm -hmm. you hear anybody coaching and there's people in like the position you're in with her like people will be screaming for the cat get up 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 you know what I mean they'll be yelling out that but this is the first time I've seen <laughs> that is not always the best coaching you do not want to come up if there's a chance like yeah. if there's a chance you're setting up to be re-swept because you know that's easy points really interesting I've never absolutely I've just that that particular exchange you know the and it's obviously easier in hindsight and without all the input of everybody yelling and all that kind of stuff um in hindsight we sh I should have stayed down and played that double guard pool position mm -hmm. um but alas like I, I came up I uh started to look for sweeping uh sorry passing opportunities but then in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, I can't let her sweep. And then just that like final little exchange where I went a little bit into just muscle memory from doing such like so much of ADCC rule set and turtle negates everything. Uh, I turtled and just like went on a, a complete blank on the actual points exchange. Mm. Um, you can see she actually scores those turtle sweep points twice in this match. And um yeah, I made the, the same mistake twice, which was just wow. defend that's the it. defend the sweep by turtling, but it obviously gives you the sweep anyway. So that's what you got to do, guys. If you want to beat Adele, you want to cause that. You want to cause it a turtle. Oh, I'm never letting, never again. Oh, third time, again. I don't think she's not going to let that. Fool <laughs> me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool yeah. <laughs> uh, me three I mean, times, it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, look, that that seems to be like the. I'm sorry, we've, we've jumped straight to that one, but you've had so much success. Like I mm. said, I mean, you represented Australia under 60 kilos against Fionn Davies. Um, <laughs> you know, you've you've been to Worlds. You made it through the first round at Black Belt Worlds. Um, you did really well, like, in that one. And, yeah, you won Nogi Brown Belt Worlds. So, like, there's been a lot of success for you over the last six months or 12 months for sure. So... Yeah, we shouldn't really be focusing just on the one. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate that. But like, to be fair, like those those matches, like my my second round at Worlds and the Brasileira matches, like those are the ones where I learn the most. Like you can, if you watch my first match with Maisa at Pan Ams versus my Brasileiros match with Maisa at, at uh, and there was, I think there was only about, I want to say like one to two months in between. So there wasn't like a big amount of time. Um, but just coming at that match with a different strategy and uh, I think I had, I think I put her on a pedestal of this person who growing up watching jujitsu, I had seen her achieve so many things and I just saw her as being so out of reach mm. and then to compete against her in Pan Ams and just feel her and feel her movement and feel that that is, a, that is absolutely an attainable goal for me and it's, and it's achievable to beat her. Um, 
with with absolute all due respect to her, I think she's she's incredible. Um, but she's definitely something someone that I that I want to continue chasing and and you know, I I honestly do have fun matches with her as well. It's not just yeah. uh, it's very technical exchanges, and I really enjoy that style of jujitsu. It's great. I was reading a book just the other day and it talked about the importance of having like a nemesis that's that is <laughs> incredibly high level. You can still love them and have utmost yeah. respect, but you've got to have someone that you're visualizing that you're like, this would work against that person. And it's like it keeps lifting and lifting both of you. She's probably thinking the same thing about you. So, you know, it's like important. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Like I think um I did an interview before ADCC and they asked me who in the 60 kilo division, who I want to compete against. And I straight away said, you know, I'd really like, I'd love to one day have a match with Maisa. And this is when I was a brown belt. This is just before ADCC. I swung around. I'm like, I really want to match with Maisa. And, you know, when it eventually did come around, I, I just remember being really excited for it because mm. I knew that it was just going to be a fun match. And I knew that she was going to be somebody who uh, I think a lot of my like a lot of my competitive career, especially in IBJJF, it will be coming after her mm. with, with, with all the respect in the world, but it will be kind of chasing after her a little bit. Awesome. <laughs> and speaking about ADCC, um, the people that may not know, they've made some changes to the female divisions finally. Um, so there's going to be an under 60 <laughs> kilo division an under 70 kilo division and an over 70 kilo division. Yeah. So there's going to be 55 division. Oh, 55, 55 sorry, 50, 65. Yep. That's it. Yeah. So which, so, so, what way are you headed? Have you given thought below to Below 55. Below yeah? 55, definitely. Yeah. Um, I naturally sit like only just above that. So to actually weight like to actually put on weight to get uh around that 60 mark was actually quite difficult for me mm. um because i don't i just don't naturally sit there so i was eating a lot of calories i was doing a lot of lifting and even even eating you know upwards of four thousand calories a day i still was not quite getting to 60 i, I didn't weigh in uh, i think i weighed in at like 59 or something and that was like how how my body just wanted to max out at that point i think Liv um, was similar so, the year she went to yeah yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I can only imagine because she's actually um, she's a bit smaller than I am. So I can only imagine how or the struggle that she would have had getting up to 60 as well. Mm. Um, it, it's funny. Everybody talks about like weight cutting and how hard it is to get down. And then, you know, on the flip side of that, how hard it is to get up. And, mm. you know, jujitsu athletes and, and martial art athletes, they play so much with their weight and it mm. fluctuates so much. So it's yeah, it's a whole other side of, of the sport. But um, 55 is perfect for me. 55, I can, I feel like I can be uh, quite strong at that weight. Um, I can lean out quite well at that weight, and and it, it's comfortable for me. I don't feel like I'm gonna be depleting myself either to hit 55. Mm. Yeah. So what's what's driving you, man? Like I, I was kind of alluding to this question about like pressure. Do you experience like what is your view of competing nowadays? Is this like why are you competing? What's driving you? Will it ever end? What will be the end of it? What's like talk a bit about the, like the future, like what it's like to compete right now and what you see in the future. So, well, first I'll, I'll kind of say like when I first started competing and especially to be honest, like uh, it wasn't until getting ready for the ADCC trials that I actually found proper enjoyment through competition. I feel like a lot of the competition I was doing when I was a little bit younger there was pressure and it was stressful and there was a lot of anxiety and I, and I enjoyed competing, but it wasn't, I wasn't sitting there on the warm up mats being like, Oh my God, this is the best thing ever. I was yeah. anxious and nervous yeah. and second yeah. guessing why I was doing it in the first place. Yeah. 
Um, so I think at that point, like my main driving factor was that I was competitive and I just wanted to win medals, mm. um, which like, you know, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but it, it kind of decreases your enjoyment of the sport. So when I did Worlds as a brown belt, when I did uh, Gi Worlds as a brown belt before COVID, so this would have been in, I want to say like 2019, uh, I hated it. I absolutely hated competing. I hated the training camp. I was burnt out by the time I was there. I was just really not enjoying it. And by the time I was out there, I was just like, I just want this to be over, mm. um, which was a really weird experience for me. I was just like, I felt quite miserable at the time. And then... Uh, obviously there was a little bit of a break because COVID came in and then competition started to die down. And I don't think I had many big competitions after that. I think I had like bits and pieces here and there, but they were local ones. Um, and then ADCC trials swung back around. And then I think I kind of realized that I could come at it in a different way and have a different perspective on it and just use it as a tool to kind of grow my own jujitsu rather than just work really hard and make yourself want to vomit when you're on the mats all the time. I think it was more like a technical growth for me through the, through the um, ADCC training camp. And I really enjoyed that. Uh, and then when I was actually getting ready, like when I was on the, the warm-up mats, I was really, really excited. Like I was genuinely happy and I had never really experienced that feeling of being at the competition, like being like waiting by the edge of the mat, ready to step on and actually being excited to get out there. But I felt, like I was just like wanting to be let out of a cage, like right. really just want to go. Like I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. And I think um, I've kind of tried to bring that mentality into all the, the following competitions of just like excitement and fun and play. And I compete way better when I'm actually having fun. Awesome. Yeah. Love it. You you just yeah. recently had one uh, grapple fest, it, which yeah. was over in, was that Manchester or somewhere? It was there? Liverpool. Liverpool. Liverpool, yeah, and yeah. Um, that was so exciting. Like, it's just so <laughs> amazing, like, to bring female jiu-jitsu into the stage like this. Like, it's so good to see. I mean, I don't know if there's anyone out there still that thinks that female jiu-jitsu is boring to watch, but, like, it's <laughs> oh, so We're cool. trying to make it not boring. <laughs> yeah, it's um, – I don't know if that's on Flow Grappling, that one. Like, that's just, like, uh, amazing. No, I think it's its own – I think it's its own yeah. separate stream, but there's some highlights on – I think there's some highlights on my Instagram and there's some highlights on, on Grapple Fest and there's some highlights on Grapple Culture as well. Um, that was a really fun event. I uh, It was funny because the lead up to that event again, like in the warm up area, because it's such a long day, they ask you to kind of get there at, uh, I think it was like 11 o'clock in the morning to take photos and to do all, all the things that you got to get done and, and to go over the rules meetings. Uh, and you're pretty much there for the whole day. And we ended up competing at, I want to say like eight o'clock at night. So I was like falling asleep in the back room and, you know, I had a friend there, I had Ashley Bendel and, and she was there to coach me. She had actually driven all the way from, from uh, Wales, from Swansea to come coach me. So like very, very appreciative of having her in my corner, but she was trying to like wake me up and get me pumped for it. And then <laughs> by the Slap time I got face. out there, I, yeah, just like a little bit of like slaps up and then push me and <laughs> shove me out there, a bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh. For that match, I was I was really specific that I wanted to to play a different kind of game. I wanted to open up. I wanted to, it to be interesting. Um, I think my perspective on super fights versus like IBJJF matches is super fights are for the audience. IBJJF, IBJJF matches are for titles. Mm. So you, you do whatever it takes to, to win that title. But when it's a super fight, people have paid to watch this. People have paid tickets to actually be there. People have paid for streaming rights. 
you want to make the fight interesting. You don't just want to win. So I was trying to um, kind of add more movement, play different types of games. And, and you know, Vanessa was, was all for it. She was out there trying to, you know, move around as much as she could as well. And and we had a really, really fun match. And, and she was so, so lovely afterwards as well. Just, uh, you know, you can see it in the in the videos after we were hugging each other and we were just like, just really happy that that we could show good jujitsu to everybody. That is a great point, right? Because when I was watching MMA the other day and then they got really upset with the fighters because the fighters were actually friends. And so it looked more like a spa, right? It, it mm. like, and so when people are meant to knock each other out, but you can tell they're not trying to knock each other out, it doesn't, it's not a good look. But in jiu-jitsu, yeah, yeah. in a jiu-jitsu exhibition match, like you want to go, you want to go for the subs, you want to go for everything else, but actually a bit more of a, like a spa, like what you would do in a spa, like trying things out, going for things in an exhibition match probably is going to look way better. And I've never mm. thought about that until you just said that. So it's really interesting. Like that's how you get the flair. Yeah. Well, it's definitely for the audience, you know, and that's how, yeah. you know, it is a big part of how you get on some of these streaming platforms is like, yes, having good titles and all that is really important and having, uh, you know, competing internationally is really important, but having interesting matches is actually what people want and mm. having, you know, that's how you get all the, the Facebook followers and the Instagram followers and all that kind of stuff. A big social media presence goes a long way. Mm. But interesting matches, that's why people love watching the Rotolos because mm. they don't stop moving. You know, they're not hunkered down on side control for 20 minutes of a match. Mm. They're moving around. They're, mm. we, we even saw it in like the ADCC open weight um, where if you guys watch the finals, the finals match was actually quite boring. And the, the audience, if you were there, the audience was actually doing a Mexican wave because they were just trying to pass yeah. the time because it was a 20-minute match and <laughs> the audience was sitting there and nothing was going on. So somebody decided yeah. to do a Mexican wave and the, the whole audience was just doing a Mexican wave. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, yeah. Um, another thing we haven't um, mentioned that's happened for you since you were last here with us was um, – uh, some of our listeners might know that Lockie arranged a, uh, or he received a, a very generous donation from someone and has shared it with competitive athletes in Australia. And you were one of the recipients. Can you tell us a yeah. bit about that? I think that it was uh, a very awesome, oh, sorry, that's my coffee machine going off. <laughs> you can take it the girl out of coffee. Melbourne, but you can't. Yeah, um, make me I'm one. Here drinking my I'm... oat milk coffee. <laughs> <laughs> How good is oat milk? I mean, milk normal milk. It's got to be oat milk. <laughs> oat milk is the best coffee. Like I, I oat milk's great. Oat milk is great. I was, I was all for soy for a little bit, and now I'm, I'm back into the oat milk, and I'm enjoying Absolutely. the oat milk. Absolutely, <laughs> I completely agree. Um, yeah. So, so uh, there was an anonymous donor that gave some some money to Lockie, uh, and Lockie decided that he wanted to put it into Australian athletes and um, kind of support the jujitsu scene in Australia. And part of that was giving it to. Um, high-level athletes that are competing internationally uh, that have good results. So um, he put a bunch of, uh, what would you call it? He put a bunch of... Criteria, um, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Criteria to actually be uh, eligible to get any kind of funding. Uh, and part of that criteria was uh, meddling at either, I think it was ADCC Trials, Worlds, uh, one of like the major IBJJF majors or being ADCC within the past two or three years. Um, it was being a clean athlete. So you, ha you couldn't be on any performance enhancing drugs or, or anything like that. Uh, you had to spend more than six months in Australia. You had to be contributing to the actual Australian jiu-jitsu community. 
um, which I like, I'm biased. I agree with all those criteria because I fit perfectly into those criteria. Um, but you I think as well, like unbiased. <laughs> I mean, exactly. <laughs> it worked, it worked perfectly for me. <laughs> I can't tell you how many people sent me like Lockie released a video to like describing the criteria and I can't tell you how many people sent that to me and be like, you fit perfectly into this criteria. I'm like, oh, I have to send him a message. Um, but I think it's, it's a really good way to, to boost Australian athletes ability to start to actually compete internationally. Um, there's no surprise being, being in Australia does come with its, its difficulties of actually making your way to America. It's, it's expensive. Um, so to actually be able to travel to America and do those international competitions and then, win those and, and get uh, more fights off the back end that it can be tough just from the financial side of things. Mm. Um, so for Lockie to, to put money into these athletes so that they do have the opportunity to actually make a mark on, on the international scene is, is spectacular. I think that we have a lot of talent here in Australia. And I think one of the biggest barriers of showing the world how much talent we have is that financial situation. So for him yeah. to, to step in and actually make it easier is just an incredible opportunity. Uh, and I hope that it, it leads to more opportunity for more athletes as well. You know, I, mm. I hope that um, we can continue to find a way to, to continue funding these athletes to get them over there, you know, sponsorship opportunities, things like that. Um, it all goes a really long way. Um, and even speaking on that, um, I think something that, that's popping up recently is that uh, seminars, like a lot of athletes are doing seminars and some athletes are actually struggling to book out their seminars because there's so much information out there. There is so much instructionals, mm -hmm. uh, like YouTube videos. It's, there's just so much information coming in. So people may feel the need that they feel less inclined to want to actually go to seminars when they can just get video content. Uh, and I think a big thing that... Uh, some people don't realize about seminars is the fact that this is a lot of athletes income. It's mm. how a lot of athletes actually uh, can fund their way to those international competitions to represent Australia and, and Australian jiu-jitsu. So yes, go to a seminar because the information is obviously awesome and you're going to learn from it, but also go to these seminars to support these athletes. Yeah. You know, go to these seminars so that these athletes can actually have enough funds to go to international competitions. Yeah, I, I know a, in Perth, yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's, it's a bit tough. No, yeah. no, it's all I, good. <laughs> I have a view about that actually. And it's just now coming to me because yeah, quite often you think the seminar is there because the, the person is great at jujitsu and therefore you should want to learn their jujitsu. But if they were mm. authentic about it and said, look, this is how I support myself. And they probably, a lot of them are. But if they were authentic mm. and said, this is how I support myself when I'm on tour, it's part of my income. If you want to support me, if you want to learn from me, I'll be here. And like, I think some of them could do well to have a pricing model where it's like, pay what you can afford. I'd like you to pay $60 to come to my seminar, but mm. pay what you can afford. Because I think a lot of people, you know, there's all sorts of different kind of socioeconomic backgrounds in jujitsu. And I think a lot of people, mm. you know, can pay the 60 and will. And then I think some people can only pay 20, but I think, it, I think they'd rather have them at their seminar and take 20, you know, and mm. maybe we could kind of, you know, disrupt this a little bit and just make seminars a bit different, you know, like more about yeah. supporting the coach actually, you know, and having them. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's, um, I think it's important to, for the athlete to be honest. Um, so I've taught a couple of seminars and I noticed like this kind of came to me because I, I 
put out uh, a seminar that was specifically kind of advertised as fundraising. Right. And I got more people coming to that than I do to a lot of the actual just flat out seminars that I host. Mm -hmm. Um, Because people like to, people like to support athletes. People like to, you know, feel like they're, they're a part of giving this athlete the ability to actually compete internationally. And to be honest, it was an, it was a female only seminar because a lot of the time it's, it's a better turnout for a female only seminar, but I had a lot of guys actually buy tickets, even though they couldn't come just because they wanted to support, Mm. you know, so I ended up videoing it and releasing it to everybody and giving everybody the, the, the uh, YouTube link to it. Mm. Um, But it just kind of showed that people do have a drive to support um, I think uh, it gets a little bit lost in communication when it's just advertised as a seminar though. Yes. Okay, great. Yeah. I think people can take from this. Yeah. Sorry, Kim. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because it feels like jiu-jitsu is still primarily an amateur sport, but it's kind mm-hmm. of now heading towards professional. So you've got people like yourself who are sort of wanting to be professional with it, but where's the money? Like <laughs> how yeah. do you how do you make money off it when it's still mostly amateur? Like the IBJJF don't pay. You know, you get a nice medal and I guess you can get some sponsorship opportunities from it, but it's a tricky one to actually pay the bills just with IBJJ. It, it is tricky. You know, that's why most jiu-jitsu athletes are also coaches and they're also teaching PTs. And, you know, if you follow most athletes, they'll be putting up on, on their Instagram stories, hey, like DM me for privates. And it's mm. not because they're trying to boost their own egos and, and mm. want to be wanted by people, want to be wanted to teach these privates. It's because they need to kind of hustle to actually be able to support this passion that they have, like financially support this passion. So part of that is making sure they're booking out PTs, making sure they're booking seminars, making sure they're coaching, mm. all those kind of things. And as well as that, and what I'll kind of say to, to some of these athletes that do need more funding to overseas is uh, reaching out to people that own businesses and getting sponsorship from those businesses. Some mm. of those businesses can be completely non-related to jujitsu whatsoever. Mm. Um, for these businesses, you know, between you and me, it can be a little bit of a tax write-off for them. I didn't say that, but <laughs> it can. Um, but it gives uh, these guys an <laughs> it yeah. gives these guys an opportunity to support athletes and allow them to actually kind of compete internationally. Yeah, yeah. actually, and we've only got three minutes left. But it takes me back mm. to a time when Maca was competing. There was a time where athletes were setting up their own Go- GoFundMe pages, doing their own fundraising, and actually. It ended up kind of having me a bit of a backlash. I was like, come on, you know, you don't have a problem. Why are you trying to? But the truth of the matter is these people were trying their best to raise funds to go and compete amongst their circle. And like in hindsight, I don't have a problem with it actually, because at least they were trying Mm -hmm. something and they were putting things out and they'd be sending that to their local businesses and all of their family and friends. And they were making it overseas to compete. Like if they didn't have the money to compete, like I actually... Like there was mixed, it, it, it came in a wave and it went, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't yeah, think it yeah. very much anymore, but I do I do acknowledge that they were trying stuff. And I think we've all got to keep trying the best way we know how to survive and get through and compete, you know? 100%, 100%, absolutely. Yeah. Any final words, Adele, in the last two minutes for our listeners? Oh, um, any final words? I'm trying to think of something inspirational or something to... to <laughs> inspire people to continue kind of training well, and I'm and pretty sure your your things. actions are doing that. Yeah. You don't need to say you, a lot when you, you, embody you do that. what you're doing. Absolutely. <laughs> In fact, if I can just say, like I have had to pinch myself multiple times 
to just, I mean, like in a, in a non-condescending way, I can't believe you're 23. The things you've done, the things you've achieved, <laughs> who you are on this show. Like you're one of our most best speaking guests that we've ever had. You've been on three <laughs> times. You know, you just know your stuff, buddy. And you are a rock star. I don't know how else to describe you. You're as good as they I get. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And I appreciate also, that a lot. From from my point of view, like it, I think it's just I feel so chuffed to you sort of represent like Australian female jiu-jitsu on the world mm-hmm. stage. It's like you've yeah. come through from being a, a child, like a juvenile, and you've made it through. Now you're matching it with like the best in the world. It's just it warms my heart, and I yeah. and now I don't feel so bad about all the bashings that you've given me because it's like, <laughs> well, look at her, you know, look who she's beating now. So, thank you so much. We'll have this episode out. Um, it'll be a couple of weeks because we've got a few lined up. But if you could share it on your um, social media, we would love that. And um, absolutely, can't wait to see absolutely. where you get to next. And um, thanks for giving up your time. You're right. No, thanks so much for having me again. You know, I'll continue competing as long as I can. Um, but I, I appreciate you guys having me on and, and setting up this platform for, for the athletes as well to just kind of speak their minds. But uh, it's always such a pleasure to be on the show. Thank awesome. you. We'll Much have love. to have you back again. Thank gotcha. you. <laughs> Bye. I'll catch you guys.